This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, in verse 18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And someone may be wondering, what does that verse really mean? Well, I believe the verse is telling us that when we see Jesus, when we study the Word of God, and we have a real good vision of what Jesus is all about, and who He is, that it changes us to be like Him. We want to talk about things that we see today. We want to talk about three things today. Three looks that change our lives. And we'll be studying from the Old Testament today. Stay tuned as we discuss it. Now today we continue to offer free Bible correspondence course. And may I emphasize with all of the power of my being, the course is free. Now we have people to call and say, now what does it really cost? And I assure you, I assure you it costs nothing, absolutely nothing, except it's going to involve some of your time, first of all, to, to ask for the course and then to study the course. Now in order that you might know more about it and how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. And today we're going to be in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. And I'm going to read the first eight verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, 
which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thine lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall we send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, Lord, send me. You know, there's some texts in the Bible that almost defy human comment. Just to read the verse is enough. Genesis 1 and 1, I think, is a verse like that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It just seems to me that to, to comment it sometimes almost seems to take away from the passage. Another is the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's one of the most familiar readings. The entire chapter, the six verses of that chapter. Some of the most familiar of all people. And it almost defies comment just to read it. John 14, verses 1, beginning, is, is almost defies human comment. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions. Isaiah 53 seems to be a, like, a passage like that. Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All of those are some of the most beautiful verses in all of the Bible. But then Isaiah chapter 6 seems to be somewhat like that. In this particular text are presented to us three looks that change lives. And the first is a looking up. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah said, I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up on a throne and his train filled the temple. Imagine, he saw the Lord. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. But it was not until Uzziah died that he saw the Lord. He said, he said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The prophet Isaiah appeared to move quite freely among the leaders of Jerusalem and among the court of Uzziah. And he may have been depending on Uzziah more than he was upon the Lord, we do not know. But it was after that the king died that he saw the Lord. Now when do we see him? Is it not the case that it is often after a, some terrible happening in our lives 
that we began to look to God. And then he said, His train fill the temple. And ought not God fill the temple of our lives? So Isaiah said, I saw him high and lifted up. And then Isaiah saw the seraphim. This is in verse 2. And this was angels with six wings. And with two of those wings he covered his face, suggesting reverence. With two of those wings he covered his feet, suggesting humility. With two of those wings he did fly, suggesting service. And he hid, they hid their faces because they were respecting the holiness of God. They said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. One of the things that we need nowadays is a deeper respect for God. We need to do what Solomon said in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes, verse 14. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. In Acts chapter 9, we read that, ha that churches had rest because they were walking in the fear of God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We need to be walking with reverence for God and respect the holiness of God. What would we ever do without God? What would we ever be without God? Why, Isaiah said, I am undone. Without God, we are all undone. And the angels began to sing, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. God is holy, and we are to be holy. In 1 Peter 1.16, the Lord said through the apostle Peter, you be holy, for I am holy. The, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all of the earth keep silence before him. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20. Friends, the whole earth is full of the glory of God. The heavens declare his glory. Psalms 19 and 1. And yet some people do not see the glory of God. How can they not see the glory of God? It's beyond me. In Romans, the first chapter, in verses 20 and 21, Paul said, The invisible things of Him from the cre creation of the world are clearly seen, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. But when they knew Him as God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There was no excuse for people saying there was no God. There's no excuse for people not seeing the holiness of God and the glory of God around them today. Yes, there's a looking up. We need to look up now and see God. And then the second thing Isaiah talked about was a looking in, and he saw himself. And when you start looking at yourself, friends, that can be pretty painful because sometimes we may not like what we see when we look at ourselves. 
Well, let me tell you what Isaiah saw. He saw a sinful life. He said, I am undone. And well, of course, we're all undone without the Lord. In John chapter 15 and 5, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus, we can have nothing. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Without Jesus, we cannot be anything. We need Christ. And he saw his sinful life, that he was undone. And the closer you get to the Lord, the clearer are our imperfections. Because God is perfect. And the nearer you get imperfection to perfection, the more our imperfections shine. And you can really tell how far a man is away from God because he'll start talking about how good he is. You ever hear someone talking about how good they are and they don't need God and, and, and they are better than other people? Well, that man is so far away from God, he has been so self-deceived. Isaiah saw his sinful life, but he saw his sinful lips. He said, I, my, his lips had become sinful. And sometimes today, people's lips are so sinful because we sin with the tongue. Some of the worst sins of all, so, so far as the damage done is done with the tongue. That's why the Bible teaches that we need to take heed to our ways, that we sin not with the tongue. Psalms 39, verse 1, so it says. And then he saw his sinful living. Now think about it. He saw his sinful life. He realized his lips were sinful. He said, I am undone. Woe is me, for I am undone. And then he knew that his life was not right with God. But then he was cleansed. One of the angels went and took the tongs and took a coal off of the altar and touched that to the lips of the prophet, cleansing him. And the Lord now can cleanse us. We need cleansing now from our sinful lives, sinful lips, and sinful living. We need cleansing. And God is the only one that can do that. Now, he's not going to touch a live coal to your lips to do that today. Cleansing comes through blood, Jesus' blood. When he shed his blood on Calvary, it was in order that our sins might be cleansed in that blood. In Zechariah, the 13th chapter and verse 1, the Bible there reads like this, In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. So there indeed is a fountain that is filled with blood that is drawn from the Emmanuel's veins and sinners that are plunged beneath that flood will indeed lose all of their guilty stains. Have you ever done anything about the sin in your life? Have you had the cleansing of Jesus' blood over your soul? When Jesus died, Jesus died to cleanse us. Listen to Jesus himself in Matthew, the 26th chapter, in verse 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission 
of sins. So Jesus shed his blood to remit sin. And when Jesus died on that cross shedding his blood, he shed it as a sacrifice or as an atonement for the sins of the whole world. In John chapter 1, 29, we read, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And it was that perfect sacrifice Jesus offered to cleanse us. This man was looking inside. And when we look in our own hearts, we do not look as well as we ought to. And we need to be cleansed just like Isaiah was cleansed. And so we do well to look inward. For example, in James, the first chapter, beginning in verse 22, the Bible says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer, and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, that is, in a mirror. And he sees what manner of man he is, and then he straightway goes away, forgets what manner of man he saw. He said, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, this man being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You see, the Bible is like a mirror. And when we look in the Bible, we see a reflection of our true self. We need to look inward. In Acts 20, 28, when Paul was addressing the Ephesian elders, he told, the very first thing he told them is, take heed to yourself. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul told Timothy, take Heed to yourself. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves. And then in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, it's talking about the Lord's Supper. Paul wrote and said, but let a man examine himself. And then in 2 Kings 4, 26, the, the woman in that chapter was asked, is it well with you? You see, the first person that we ought to look at is ourselves. Sometimes... We want to look at other people and we want to pick out the flaws that are in the lives of other people. But the first person we should look to is ourself. There we need to look inside. We need to look inside. And when we see the inside of man, our hearts, the way we really are and not as we are thought to be, we can see the need for cleansing from sin. Now, in order that you might be cleansed from your sins in Jesus' blood, that blood has to be applied. There was a man selling soap, and he was walking with a preacher down the road one day, and, and the man said to the preacher, you know that gospel you preach hasn't done very much good in the world because there's still a lot of sinners in the world. Well, that, that, there had been just a short rain, a brief rain, and, and there were some little boys beside of the road playing in a mud puddle. And they were covered with mud from the top to the bottom. And, and the preacher said to the soap salesman, that soap that you have, are selling hasn't done much good, has it? Because there's still a lot of dirty people in the world. And the soap salesman said to the preacher, well, it's no good unless you apply it, unless you use it. And then the minister made the point, the blood of Jesus is of no value unless you apply it to your sins. So the question is, how will I apply it to my sins? What must I do 
that the blood of Jesus might cleanse me. Now, Isaiah had a live coal touched to his lips to cleanse him, cleanse his lips. Well, what about us? Jesus' blood is for our cleansing. 1 John 1 and 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So the blood of Jesus is for our cleansing. And it's when we come to the foot of the cross in humility and obey Jesus that our sins can be forgiven. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, let me read to you from the sixth chapter of Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. In other words, no. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? No, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? That therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we planted in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so the way that the blood of Jesus cleanses us as believers in him is that we as penitent believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are baptized into Christ into his death, into the benefits of his death, if you please. Baptize into the death of Christ, and we are, that we put on Christ in baptism. And then we arise to walk in the newness of life, and our sins are washed away in that cleansing blood. In Acts twenty-two sixteen, Saul of Tarsus was told, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And today our sins are washed away when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ by believing on Him, by repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in Christ, by being baptized into Christ. Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Friend, there are two conditions of that are in that passage of salvation. Faith and baptism. One condition of condemnation, and that's unbelief. It would have been redundant for Jesus to have said, He that believeth not and is not baptized shall be condemned. But Jesus said, You're condemned at the point of unbelief in John 3, 18. Two conditions of salvation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Don't you want your sins washed away in Jesus' blood? Think about it. You're looking at you now, and it's you and God. Have your sins cleansed in his blood. But then there's a third look that changed Isaiah, and that was a looking out. And Isaiah, the Lord says, now who is going to go for us? The Lord said, uh, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Now Isaiah's desire to go on this mission for God was really a matter of attitude. And when we do God's bidding today, it's really a matter of attitude, isn't it? And his was an attitude of love. His was an attitude of desire. 
His was an attitude of service. Yes, indeed, it was a matter of his attitude. He didn't say, well, I tell you, Lord, I know you need someone, but don't count on me. Why don't you just use someone else? And just consider how many good things are not done because someone else is waiting on someone else to do it. That wasn't Isaiah's style, absolutely not. Isaiah said, I'll go. And then he asked this question, Lord, uh, how long do I go, Lord? Well, the Lord told him, I want you to know that when you go, they're not going to like your message. You're going to go to people that will hear and they will not understand and they'll see and they'll not perceive. You're going to pe people whose heart is, is fat and their ears are heavy and they shut their eyes and and they don't understand with their hearts because if they did understand and see the truth that you'll teach them, they'd be converted and they would be healed. And so to even today, there are people that are resistant to the message we teach. There are sometimes people that will respond to our program and they have some comments to make that suggest that they don't agree at all with what I say. Well, it's not a matter of whether you agree with Brother Lambert. You had better be sure you agree with God, right? We want to agree with God. We want to agree with what the Bible says. And sometimes people have their minds made up what they're going to believe. And, and Isaiah was going to people just like that. Jesus made reference to this prophecy in Matthew 13. When Jesus said this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes lay of closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, should understand with their heart, should be converted and I should heal them. For us to see the truth, we have to be willing to see the truth. We have to have an unbiased, unbiased and unprejudiced mind. Would you not see the truth today and believe on Jesus and repent of your sins and confess that you believe Jesus is God's Son? Would you not obey Him today? I want to thank you for watching Getting to Know Your Bible today. In the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. I've had many people to tell me they accepted that invitation. Won't you do it? Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.